Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In 1942, in the cold desert of a small border town in Texas, a group of kind are kidnapped and mass embraced by members of the fanatical sect, the Sabbat. Out of this group, only a handful survived, and through rituals and mentorship, they became the pack known as the Pale Riders. Representing the Sword of Cain, they are wielded by a mentor to cut deep wounds within the heartland of Mexico to the enemies of the Sabbat. Wars on Fire is a vampire the masquerade Sabbat chronicle that follows the Pale Riders pack that consists of Mitch, a Lazamba played by Adam, Coyote, a Ravenous anti-tribute played by Alex, Eldrick, a Caitiff played by David, Jasper, a Bruja anti-tribute played by Joaquin, Cora, a Shimizi played by Slavic, and Richard, a Venture anti-tribute played by Tillman. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. Yeah, you guys are all there. We'll say that. We'll say Cora and Mitch, did you guys head back inside? Yeah, Mitch will finish off the cigarette and head back inside. Okay, you guys are all in the foyer room. Coyote carried off Ilanipi said he's going to kind of keep watch over Ilanipi with the two bodies and everything like that and disappears into one of the guest rooms. And he tells you guys, he's like, good luck on whenever you decide. He's like, I will find my way to you, boss. And he like goes upstairs carrying Ilanipi to conveniently be left out of the rest of the scenes in the session. Go ahead. Seems like you guys. I started gathering all these crosses and Bibles. I hope it'll help against those demon-worshipping son-of-a-bitches. Well, if it doesn't work, then uh, if I say hold across, then we can just drive them, just drive this into their chests and use that. And... Agreed. That is one plan of approach. I'm trying to find a map here. Does anyone know where I could find one? So, like, yeah, you guys are where there's like maps by the behind the front desk, like older maps. You know what I mean? Here you go. So I'm looking through to find. Yeah, you're going to try to find the town and everything from where you remembered. You guys are all the way up by Chihuahua. What you see way up there, uh, that's Juarez, right up there on the very top. Ciudad Juarez. Yep. Now, Extul is X-T-U-L, and it's actually on the coast all the way over there by Capeche. Capeche. It's like a little bit north of Capeche there along the ocean, okay? they when it, It's such a small village, and I don't want to say too much about it, but it is a real town, and you guys could probably look it up and, and find out why the town is kind of special to this story. It's right there, like a little bit north, a bit like five, all right, about 10 miles north of there. So that's how far you guys need to drive. Now, of course, all these roads aren't going to be paved. A lot of this is going to be driving along the dirt. You know what I mean? Driving along less travel roads. I'm not sure. Whatever you guys decide. Shit, it's going to take much longer than I thought. At least a week. Yeah. And they have a head start on us too, so... There's that. I'm not sure. Should we stick to larger cities? Any places to stay after all, but maybe the big cities yeah. are not the maybe. safe places. Spam or... Uh... These places should belong to the spot. Maybe we could find some information about maybe someone else from the Inquisition who could tell us how to fight these demons. But how will we know whether we can trust them or not? We thought we could trust those traitors, but obviously we were wrong about that. 
the Nipi must know someone else from the Inquisition other than Vidar. Does the Nipi have some sort of sigil or ring or other doodad that we can use to lend credence to our story? Because it might come to pass that these assholes have friends along the way that may not be willing to believe us at uh, oh, well, yeah. first glance. But then Lenipi said that he told us that we were dead. So they might not be expecting us. Even worse, if someone sees us, even without interacting with him, they will know we're on the, our way to Exul. So basically we have two options. We either stick to the small countryside and try to remain hidden and ignorant of what our enemies are doing. We tr- stick to the bigger cities, risk big risk running into more traitors, but have the greater chance of finding out more information about our enemies. Uh, I think he has to be dealt with um, as soon as possible. No arguments here, sister. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think I, th- I think this is the first time I've ever heard of in a game or seen in a game where someone's been peer pressured to Diablerize. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and it's a bot game, you know, which is cool, though, you know. I wanted this to be, just for you guys to know, I wanted the fact that you guys having to travel was going to have to be a challenge. And, like, mm-hmm. a, you guys are going to have to think. And we're vampires. Gonna... We're not really made to travel. Yeah, exactly. And that's the difficulty being a nomadic pack. So this is a chance for you guys to flex your creative muscles and figure out how you're going to tackle the situation, you know. And I got to react to it, so that's good. So either no matter what we decide to do, we're going to have to find, find something to... So we're going to have to pick up and decide what we do when the sun comes up. Because if, because if, if all of, we get rotten luck and we cut, the sun's coming up, there's no town immediately. So we need to have like some blankets or something just to cover ourselves. Yeah, we should get us some camping supplies. Yes. All right. Let's take care of what we can take care of here tonight. I guess I'll take care of the thing in the trunk. Tomorrow night we'll go into town and pick up some camping supplies see if we can't get us some tents and other stuff to shield us from the sun maybe we can get a a mail wagon or something a bigger car where we can that's just yeah, camp out in the back yeah we could like leave it we could then trade the pickup or something because maybe we could leave the pickup here because the pickup is by far the most this is the biggest thing because it has the least amount of protection from the sun right See if we can't get ourselves like a, I don't know, like a delivery van or something. All right, yeah. go take care of your messes, people. Cora, Jasper, you want, you want help? Do me a favor. Make sure there's no real trace of us in this building when we leave. Head right on that, brother. Cora, come back and check on me in about an hour. If I'm gone, start to worry. Might as well jump to the deed, right? Let's go ahead and play that out. So you're doing it by yourself, huh? So you go outside. Uh, tell me what you're going to do, good sir. Mitch will uh, pull our captive out of the trunk, give him a once-over. And, and he looks he looks the same as, as, as he did when the damage was taken, you know, I described. Like, he looks, when you look down at him, though, you realize, right? Like, you pop the trunk, you see your withered old hands, you know what I mean, when you pop it up. Mm-hmm. And you look down, and it kind of slaps you in the face that you see, like, history. You know what I mean? You see, like, what could happen to you or to your pack members, not the fact that you guys could, you know, meet a similar fate, 
but that you guys could become like he was to where centuries gone by and you are of a time past because you're looking down at this thing, right? And you're not seeing civilization. You're not seeing someone dressed up in suits walking around trying to pretend to be mortal. You're seeing someone who lost themselves in the stream of time. I mean, you, you, well, you guys know that this is from what Vidar told you that he hunted this dude. You know what I mean? Back in the past. And you're looking and he looks native. He looks like, and you could, you know, just piece that together. Not, you, you don't know what you don't know yet, but I'm saying you look down and you see, see someone that is an artifact. And that I'm sure would be pretty intimidating, at least to me, if I was a young vampire and I saw that, holy shit, this could be me. You're kind of hit with that. It's almost like finding an old book, you know, right? Like old books have that weird smell. That's awesome. I love book smell. But when you open up, like every time I open up like a book from the 20s in my life, I've been grateful to be able to do that. It's like you're holding something that's like older than you in your possession, you know? And with that comes a sense of feeling connected to something that you, you're unable to be connected to normally. So in a way, when you pop open, you get that museum, whatever feel, I guess, you know, it's a hard way to try and articulate it. What are you going to do, Mitchell? Mitch will, uh, he'll have another cigarette while he contemplates what he's about to do. And he'll think about Cora's answers and what he saw when Cora did her thing. And wasn't he affected? You mentioned out of game, like he was probably going to be affected by what he saw happen to Jasper. Yeah. How did it affect him? Just like, was it just because like a soldier of his almost died that, you know what I mean? That he held in high regard or what, what, what exactly was that feeling? Mitch was very upset seeing that he's got a vinculum of 10 for Jasper. So he was yeah. ready to, he, ready to, <laughs> he was seeing red. He was ready to kill and kill and kill again. So it's been a, obviously an emotional evening for you. And now this is kind of like where you're drawn into like a, a turning point, right? Yep. We just like at this moment, like he knows feel, what he's about he, to do is going to be a very significant thing. And he's kind of, bracing himself for the event are you gonna do it right there what, what are you gonna like what are you gonna do after sitting there and thinking about all this yeah he'll just put the uh victim on the ground behind the rolls and after he finishes cigarette he'll say a quick our father followed by a quick hail mary followed by a quick holy shit i hope this goes all right and then he will dive in and do what he needs to do all right. So first we're going to do the mechanics and then we're going to go ahead and do the story. Okay. Like what, what happens from there? So first make an extended strength roll difficulty nine. Each success inflicts one automatic health level on the victim. The victim cannot soak or damage is considered aggravated. When all the victim's health levels have been drained, the victim's essence is taken into the attacker and the empty body begins to cane immediately. Now you have potent, so that helps too. automatic. So go ahead. Yeah. So, I guess first round, I'll start with the three automatic potent successes plus uh, another one success. Actually, zero successes because I rolled a 10 and a 1. All right. I don't know why we're yeah. having you roll, to be honest. You're going to get it. So we'll just assume. You know what I mean? Well, I could roll three ones. It's always possible. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but you're, no, I'm, you're good, man. You know what I mean? We'll just say, you know what I mean? You go through and get it. Let's talk about the rewards. Let's do self-control roll. Difficulty 10 minus your humanity, which we'll do current humanity because you're about to lose your humanity. So that's his current humanity is five. All right. So difficulty five. So that's three successes. All right. So and we'll discuss that when we go over the mechanics. Okay. Uh, so what generation are you? Eighth. Eighth. So you are now seventh generation. 
Congratulations. Oh, holy crap. All right. Cool. Yeah. All right. Go ahead and I want you to roll me 1d10 and tell me what you get, please. Uh, five. Five. So you have the potential to spend XP and learn Obfuscate, the first out of Obfuscate without having to be shown it, okay? Awesome. All right. So write that down, just like Thelma from Thelma and Luis over there. Cora got uh, got the ability to learn necromancy. And now let's talk about the pearls. You lose one humanity automatically. Yep. All right. And then hold on. I only had you. I didn't have you roll a humanity roll, did I, Cora? When you did it, right? Just you automatically lost one. I didn't have you roll to see if you lost a second, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have a willpower ten. You don't have to worry about that. And all right, cool. Yeah, because you don't care about black veins. I mean, yeah, black veins, but who knows? Maybe it might come into effect. You're sitting there, and you lay him down. You lay him on the ground, and you're smoking your cigarette, and you're looking down at him. And you see when you laid him down, like just a little bit of dust from the from the 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 the, the, the little drive path. You know what I mean? The dirt drive path by the fountain, because you're by the fountain right now. You know the notorious fountain, and you just see it come up a little bit. And you're standing down in the moon of the light almost seems to be like radiating a little bit off this creature's like very black oiled like hair. You know what I mean? Like glimmering off of it. Like you can imagine moonlight would glimmer off of like dark water, like the ocean. And you're standing there and you're looking, you're smoking. And and like I said, you have that feeling of ancientness, but this moment you start feeling like in the back of your neck, a little bit of clawing almost like, like a, like a, that you feel when you get a little, thirsty and the beast starts coming out a little bit you know and you're looking down and you start feeling primal and as you sit there taking a drag and you grab your thumb comes across your teeth a little bit when you grab this cigarette you rolled you feel your 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 fangs are out a little bit already you know what i mean and you're like oh man and you find yourself like your instinct is starting to take over when you when you see this figure laying there gone is the whole feeling of old, opening an old book to now this is nourishment delicious nourishment and in the back of your head you start hearing what cora said it tasted like the best fight they ever tasted i add his soul you know and you hear her voice in the background from when you guys had a little ritual before the valder you know going over and over and you put the cigarette out you drop to your knees and you just latch onto him and so you're latching on and, and, and you feel like this you bite your neck and it pierces his skin and you notice for a second, it's like a little harder. It's almost like the equivalent of trying to chew like beef jerky in a way, like really old beef jerky, you know, that's tough. And then you finally like you pierce your fangs in there and you, at first you're used to mortal blood, which just kind of just sprays, you know what I mean? Right into your mouth, like in an initial, like a bite and like a burst. And here you don't feel anything at first and slowly you feel this trickle, like come along your tongue and like when that single like like first little instant hit of the blood touches your tongue, you're just like see these bright lights like flash behind your eyes, you know what I mean? And you just start like you start trying to suck in more and you feel like a slow trickle, then more you feel. And you eventually start feeling it like like it's almost like siphoning gas out of a gas tank, you know, and eventually starts pouring into your mouth. And as like soon you feel it like slowly like like starting to stop. And you're like, and you feel a second in the back of your head, like of despair, like, oh no, this is so like, like, this is the greatest thing I've ever tasted. I don't want it to stop. But then you all of a sudden you start feeling like a warmness come from your chest and you feel like this rushing sensation, almost like a faint headedness in your head. And then you start feeling like you're consuming something else. And at this moment, when you're doing that, you feel like your soul is combating 
something like the, the, your, 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 the, the, the force that led your heart to beat when you were alive is now at battle with something else. And you feel this sense of like despair because you feel like while this is going on, you lost a little bit of that. But when that happens, that sense of despair hits you, all of a sudden you're like, you start getting slammed almost like, like a wave. It feels like a wave of like, like a um, turbulence over and over and over again of the memories that start flashing across your head. So all these memories, by the way, are from a, a point of view perspective. Like I've said with Cora, none of them are from v- viewing as third party. You're viewing a perspective. You, you're looking down from a great height and you see below you as you're looking. It's, it's dark out, but the, st- the stars are out and you see like a hundred feet below you, like torches and people are holding torches and you look and you see like a pyramid that is coming, but it's not like the pyramid of Egypt. It's pyramids that have like steps, you know what I mean? That are leading down upon you. And you look upon your right and your left and you see rich, thick, like jungle forest, like vegetation. And you can hear like the life in the forest, but you look down and you see thousands of people and you know, these people are worshiping you. They are giving you their adoration. They are there because of you. And you're standing upon them looking down, knowing that you own them. They do not own you. From the top, as you stand there looking down, you look down at yourself and you see like you see like that you have nothing on except for like a little like a skirt almost that it seems to be made of these jungle leaves that are around your waist, you know? And you start walking down these steps. You turn around, you start walking down these steps that lead to within the pyramid and you take off this skirt thing you have that you have to where you're completely naked. Then you, these steps that go down for a few minutes as you walk down, they kind of like turn, you know, like spiral down. And then you get to where the steps end and you see this crawl space. It's only enough to where if you got on like your, your back or your stomach and you crawled into it, you could, and you get on your back and you start wiggling your way into this crawl space and you hear and you look up as you're in this crawl space and you see like there's this hole that's about like a foot in diameter and you're looking way up and you can see like like it looks like it goes through the pyramid you see like stars you start hearing murmuring in this native language of yours that is echoing down this almost pipe you know for lack of a better term and then you start hear slowly start hearing these screams happening from the top of this pyramid. And then you start hearing something trickle down and slowly that trickling down, you feel like you feel like some drops of vitae hitting your forehead and hitting your mouth. And soon the drops become a pour and soon it becomes a torrent, a torrential downpour of blood as you know in your head that these people that are above there are slicing throats of people and throwing them down the pyramids or ripping their hearts and draining their blood all at this time to where all this blood that's, like I said, starts at a trickle soon just starts cascading down upon you. So at first you're opening your mouth trying to get a little bit and then soon it just runs all over your face and all over your body and it almost like feels this crawl space up. You know what I mean? And just like it's puddled underneath you. It's almost like your body is getting like almost like you're in a bathtub of blood there. And your face now is just simply out. If you were a mortal, you'd probably be almost drowning at this point with how much blood is falling upon you now. And then you cut to another memory and you have this point of view 
where you're running in the jungle in fear and you're looking behind and you're seeing like these men in these metallic suits that, that seem to be made of tin, which is only metal or that you're aware of or gold, but they're just, just, they're just destroying these followers of yours. And just like you see burning and smoke and fire and you t continue to turn and you're running. These aren't like immediately after each other, but it's jumping in the memories of this, of this canite that you were in. So do you get what I mean? It's not like this blood. And then right away, he's running through the forest. This is these memories that are slamming you. Then it cuts to another memory and you're looking down and you see yourself in, in, in water uh, that it goes up to your waist. And it's, you see the moonlight reflecting off the water. And, and, and this is, you, and you, you know, this is like new to you, but you look around and you see water is endless to your right. And you know, Mitch, you know, this is the ocean, but, and you, and you look to your right and you see the ocean and then you look to your left and you see a, a Spaniard that is standing next to him, looking at him that is not clothed, but it's the Spaniard is very pale. You know, it's a Spaniard by the way that his, his facial hair seems to be trimmed. And he has like this long uh, hair that is like put back into a ponytail, not like the, the the creature that you're feeding off of, but like uh, you know, it's it's grown equally on the sides, but it's curly and it's put into a tail, and he is holding the back of your head, and you're being dunked back into water as if he's being baptized in a way, and the, the hands are let go, and he feels himself in this in the ocean, and he's and he's like you almost feel lost and buoyant, and you're trying to look up through the ocean, you can't see anything, and then you force yourself up. And uh, you look to your left, and you don't see the Spaniard there anymore. But when you look forward, you see the beach of pale white sand, you know, like that very fine white sand that some beaches in Mexico have. And yep. you see upon this beach, you see a naked female standing there. And she has long, wavy brown hair. She looks like she's almost like faded mahogany, her, 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 her skin. And you look, you, as in the creature that you are now, don't recognize her ethnicity, but you... Mitch, from your travels in the world, she almost looks like a finely carved, beautiful Middle Eastern woman of some sort. She is perfectly still with her eyes closed when you're looking at her. But when they open, they're pitch black. And you're kind of like staring at her and, you're, and, you, and you feel lost. And you're like, and you don't know how to react. You're still staring in this water. And you slowly walk out the water because you are a god. You, you are like, you have owned this land. Your type have owned this land, have been worshipped. And you will not be afraid or you will not act scared of something that you know does not belong here. But when you step on the sand, her mouth opens up. And as her mouth opens up, you see something coming out of her mouth. And you see it looks like, it looks like a ball of something moving. And then as you're like trying to concentrate on what it is, you see that it shoots out of her mouth. And you hear this buzzing sound. And it just is like this roar comes behind it and you're scared and you look before you can run this swarm hits you and you fall to the ground because you can't fight the swarm, uh, but it's crawling all over you. It's almost like the blood that would was hit you earlier in that memory. But now it's like living these insects that are just all over you. And you're trying to like get them off your face. You're trying to get them off your, 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 your body so you can see in your mouth and they're crawling in your mouth and you can't stop it. And then all of a sudden everything comes darkness and you awaken on the beach and you get up and there's no sign of anyone there. And it is just you on that beach. And they cut to another memory. You open your eyes and you look and you're standing on top of like, you've climbed up this tree, this like jungle like tree. And you're looking down below you 
and you see uh you're looking upon a valley where these this force is attacking these creatures that are like you that are gods of this area too and you're watching with a sense of relief knowing that you made a deal to kill them off like like you have betrayed these people that were once gods like you and they're being killed off by these 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 people that come from another land but then you have this scene where you're running and then you cut to another memory and you have the scene where you're running scared through the jungle again and you look behind you and you hear this howling screaming and you look and you recognize that like just these followers of yours who are mortals are just getting cut down and you see this figure just climbing over them as he's mowing them down covered in blood screaming and it's vidar and he's looking like a viking like the like he may have looked when he was first embraced or, or very early in his own life. And he has like leather on, you know, him like leather armor on. And he's just, his eyes are filled with bloodlust. And he just has blood splatter across his face as he's mowing people down, uh, trying to get to this, get to you. And you know, cause you've been fleeing this man. This man has been destroying everything, trying to get to you. And you've been barely escaping, but your people, these swarms of these mortals uh, have been able to slow him down to where finally you escape again. And then you snap out of it. And you're laying like you're on your knees right now in the in the desert, and you and you're looking at your hands, and your hands are shaking. Your hands are covered with gray suits, like 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 ashes. And and you look down, and you see that there's just ash mixed in with the with the desert dirt as you're there now on your own by yourself in the desert again. Scenes on you. Mitch will gasp, run a hand across his his head and look around to the left to the right then he'll look up at the stars and look from one to the other to the other trying to remember all the constellations his dad pointed out to him when he was a kid and after a few minutes of that he'll start freaking out a little bit he'll get up kick at the pile of ash and then he'll go into the pack haven go up to his room shut the door kneel at the foot of his bed and start praying, occasionally grabbing his Bible to flip through the pages, a little bit lost, not entirely sure of what just happened or how he should respond to it. You guys who are cleaning up, everyone's cleaning up, I guess, at the moment. Cora's probably in her lab right now cleaning up. Richard, you're sitting there looking at this map after because you, you didn't leave that much of a, you know what I mean? You, didn't, you weren't there that much. And you see Mitch just walking like how 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 would you say your body language was mitch while you walk straight to your room very uh rushed he wouldn't really look around much he would sort of beeline right for his room and he'd be sort of grabbing his hands wringing his hands a little bit as he goes so yeah that's what you guys see or that's what you see at least richard while you guys are cleaning up mitch will spend the rest of the night doing what he's doing hello folks Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. 
We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. High Level Games, the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please. Help. They're coming. <laughs> the mission seemed simple enough, don't they always? Simple sweep and flush out operation. We loaded them up in a hazmat tanker in Montreal and shipped them to a downtown warehouse in the Valley of the Sun. It would have been in and out in a few nights. Well, we wouldn't be telling the story if it all went as planned, would we? I go ahead and uh, I pop quieted. Alright, yeah, I'm gonna run at him and do a sweet spin kick and knock his head off. We're waiting to see whether or not the abomination kills us. Shufflehead Chronicles is available on the Critical Hints feed. Search for Critical Hints in iTunes, Google Play, or any other podcatcher. I, I, I don't think this is how, no. The Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing. The central district is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. Why is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city? Neon Masquerade. The Demon's Mirror. Thirteen Candles. Three Chronicles running through the undead veins of the City of Angels. The Esoteric Order of Roleplayers Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to EORpodcast.com and search the Duets tag to find out more.
movie really sucked, didn't it? It could have done with higher stakes. It's enough to drive you batty. Okay, ghosts and ghouls, till next time. This is Mistress Black reminding you to always wash your necks. You never know when a guest will drop in for a bite. Next week's feature picture will be Blood Feast. Friday at midnight, as always. This is KTLA, Channel 5, Tribune Broadcasting in Los Angeles. Welcome to the KTLA Late Night News Update. Our top story tonight, fire at Beverly Hills Estate, leaves the mansion in ruins and the owner missing. Firefighters contain the blaze, which is not <laughs> LAPD police detectives are asking for information in the suspected disappearance of former L.A. soap opera star Aaron Evans. Evans, 24, last seen working at a 7-Eleven in Glendale. The year is 1989, and Aaron Evans is in way over his head. Neon Masquerade is a vampire 20th anniversary duet chronicle that gets under the skin of kindred unlife in the anarch-free states. The Esoteric Order of Roleplayers Actual Play Podcast invites you to join us on this journey into the bloody heart of Los Angeles. Go to eorpodcast.com and search the Neon Masquerade tag to find out more. Hi guys, I wanted to let you know about my YouTube channel, the video journals of Mike Bailey. Mike Bailey is a character I play in a live-action vampire game called New England Nightmares, which uses the new Finite Studio rules for Mind's Eye Theatre. The Chronicle's set in the city of New Haven, Connecticut, and we run on the third Saturday of every month in Southington, Connecticut. Most of the credit for the stories told in my journals comes from the plots developed by the amazing storytellers who run my game. So the videos on my channel are basically an in-character video logs of the newly sired Ventrue Mike Bailey. They follow him from his days as a naive mortal, to his violent embrace during the Anarch Revolt in the city of London, on to his arrival on the shores of New Haven. The journals show Mike trying to come to terms with his kindred nature, his powerful but impure blood, and his attempts to hide his past from other members of the court of Prince Lucius. So I put out updates every two weeks, and I love feedback and questions, so check out my channel, subscribe, and leave me a comment.